Good morning. Good morning. My name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. And as we get started today, I want to ask you a question. I wonder how many of you have some area of your life that you're always trying to control. And I see a few hands, and I see a few elbows as well. Um, that's also probably a little sign of, of trying to control something part of your life there. Uh, and I think if, if we are honest, we probably all have a little bit of an area in our life that we are always trying to control. And I think sometimes we even are, are, are scared to admit that control in our life. We, we mask it and we say that we might be just really helpful people. Or we're just, you know, we're super organized people and it has nothing to do with control. It's just we're just super organized. And I think as we head into, you know, Easter is now just on the horizon for us. We head into Easter. I think of those Easter moments in our own, my own family, in our own life, uh, where the kids have the perfect outfit on, on Easter. There's the Easter egg hunt, and you, you give them very strict rules of, you can't get dirty, because we're going to go, you're going to wear that same thing tomorrow to church. Um, and on the ride there, it can be a little stressful at times, and there's you know, the shouting, the arguments, and everyone, we're going to church, it's Easter Sunday, and you're in your Easter best, and you're going to love Jesus today, and you're not going to fight with your brother and sister, and there's those moments of trying to control what we want to be the perfect Easter morning. We try to control so much of our life, and we think of some of those areas, and I think there's a few common ones as individuals when we try to control. For some of us, it's, it's simply a schedule. Um, There's a schedule. When you, uh, even when you go on a vacation, there's a schedule. I don't know if you ha- know any of these types of people where we have to do this at this certain time because we've got to get to this place by that time to do that thing. And there's a lot of control that goes on in that. For others, maybe it's money. And, it, and I think this can happen on both sides of money. We can be so cost-conscious and so frugal that everything has to be a hack, has to be a way to save costs, and it can control us so much that we spend all of our time figuring out how to get the best deal, and we don't ever enjoy life. And on the other side, we can live in such a way that we're always chasing the next dollar because that will bring fulfillment, and that type of control will give us some sense of purpose. For others, we, and maybe this might be the people that we're elbowing, we, we simply control people. We like people to do what we want when we want to do it, and you better get in line and follow through. For some of us, it's the opinions of others. We're always trying to control what other people think of us, our image of ourselves. And then for others, I, I think one another common area is we try to control our environment. Um, you know, these are the, maybe the people where you, you have to, Take off your shoes the first thing when you do when you walk in the house and there's like that room that's set up immaculately. Everything has a place and you better dare not move it or touch it or move it out of place. There's even that room where if you breathe a little too hard, you might break something and you're like, oh my goodness. We try to control so much of our lives. And when we begin to dig down, I think with these things that we are trying to control in our lives, begin to reveal an area in our life where we actually trust Jesus the least. Because when we try to control something, it's oftentimes because it feels like that part of our life is out of control. 
And then oftentimes when we try to control it, it feels like that thing even moves further away and we can never quite catch up to controlling that part that feels out of control. And then Jesus was actually tempted to control things as well in just the same way. And today we're going to be looking, if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, I invite you to go to Matthew chapter 26. We'll be reading here of this story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so this takes place right after the Last Supper, um, starting here at verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And I, I want to pause right here, because I think if we, if we skip over this, this location, uh, I think we're going to miss out on something important in this story. So, like I said, this is right after the Last Supper, and they go to this place called Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is a, is a place on the Mount of Olives. So it's among the olive groves, that this place is. And Gethsemane essentially means oil press, is what it translates as. Roughly, you could also just call it the, the crushing. He goes to a place where there was an oil, uh, olive oil press, the place that would have been referred to as the crushing amongst the, uh, the olives. And he goes to this place. And in, in ancient culture, um, and I would even say today, have you ever bought a jar of olive oil like recently? I, I had to, I, it was on the grocery list and this like little jar of like just like store brand olive oil was like 20 bucks. And I'm like, what in the heck am I paying 20 bucks for this jar of olive oil? <laughs> olive oil is uh, oil in that sense was, was always a precious resource and, and still very much is today. Uh, and in the, in the time of Jesus here, the oil press would have been kind of a vat of, of of olives that you would have put in and they would have kind of made it into a paste and then they would have used a heavy rock stone and rolled it around um, to push it through and it would have had a filter made out of like palm branches underneath it to catch the, you know, the, like, this, like the actual olive skins that, that, that you'd have just gotten the oil coming through. And he goes to this place where there was the oil press here. Where there was a stone pressing, crushing the olives. And that, that first pressing of the olive was, was particularly important in Jewish culture because it was the finest oil. And you would have set aside that finest oil for God, that first crushing. Because each time you would have done it several times, you would have put some hot water and mixed it with that, that now paste of, of olives, and you would have tried to extract a second one. And it wasn't quite as fine, wasn't quite as good. And Jesus, the Son of God, is in this place of the crushing. The world begins to press in on him in Gethsemane. So he's there with his disciples and he tells them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And Gethsemane, he's filled with emotion. This is an emotional event. He's sorrowful and troubled. He feels 
the world pressing in on him. He's, he's getting to that point where he feels like he's going to break. Jesus, who's fully God and fully human, is living in that tension right now. He knows what it's like to be human. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he says, Stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. May this cup be taken from me. My soul is absolutely overwhelmed. But God, if there's any way possible, if there's anything, please, please God, but ultimately God, your will be done. Your will be done, not mine. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He'd given them one job. And he gave them one job, and it was to stay awake, right? <laughs> yeah, there's lots that we could talk about right now. <laughs> the disciples had one job in this moment, and what'd they do? What happened? They were sleeping. They fell asleep in this moment. And I, I think we can oftentimes be a little harsh on the disciples here. Um, we can laugh about them, like, Jesus asked you to sleep, he, you know. He goes off and prays, and he's doing like the hard work here, and they just, you know, they were just not supposed to fall asleep. Keep watch with him. Um, but I, I have to admit that I, I have, I'm going to cut him a little slack because I want to share a story of me actually falling asleep praying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was in college, and uh, the church I was going to, I, I loved the church I was a part of when I was in college. They had a uh, a Friday morning prayer service at like 7 o'clock in the morning. They would open up the church. Um, the, uh, the worship leader would be there just with like the acoustic guitar, would play the songs just all acoustically. No, you know, there was no singing. There was, you know, they'd light up some candles in the windows. Um, and there was a group uh, of students uh, that was going to go. And so I went with them. And I would have to admit that I went with them because there was a cute girl. Um, and, I, and this was probably in that stage where I liked cute girls more than I liked Jesus, but I was willing to, to try out this Jesus thing a little bit further uh, for the cute girl. And I went, and it's now 7 in the morning, or I guess it's probably like 7.30 at this point. I've been sitting in this dark room. The lights are really off, minus these candles in the windowsill. There's like calming acoustic music playing. And I'm half an hour, and I've like ran out of things to pray about. I'm like, I can't think of anything else. I'm just sitting here now with my eyes closed looking, trying to be holy here. Um, and I fell asleep, and I kept dozing off, and I couldn't stay awake at all, and I think I actually, I got caught, because we went to breakfast afterwards, and they were making fun of me, and I was like, oh, this is not good, this is not good for the look I was trying to go for, being, going to church at, on a Friday morning at 7 o'clock and praying uh, with the girl that I liked at the time. Uh, so I'm going to cut them some slack. They, 
It's, it's hard to stay awake sometimes and completely surrender in that moment. But here's the thing. Jesus chose surrender over control. And how, how stark of a difference is this to the cultural norm, right? Because it's never okay in our culture to surrender, to give up. It's always about control and power. But when Jesus does this in this story, we learn that it's, you're not always going to have the power to control. Jesus says, not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus says, you don't always have the power to control, but what do you always have? You always have the power to surrender. And I think when we, we ask this question that Jesus says here, your will or God's will, if we ask that question to ourselves, especially if we consider ourselves kind of spiritual people that, that are following Jesus, you know, I think the answer we always will, will jump to is, of course, God's will, like, right? Of course, God's will, like, that's what I want in my life. I want God's will to be done. But then when we start to face some of those things about God's will, like, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to surrender. But just, you know, don't send me as a missionary to Africa. Like, that's not really on the table. That's not really what I was talking about. Like, you know, I'll just do something here. Or, um, you know, God, I'm going to surrender to your will. Uh, God, I'm looking for that relationship. I'm going to lay it down. But just, God, God, make this person really cute. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to really marry, like, a you know, an unattractive person. I want this person to be really cute that I'm looking for that relationship. Like, we, are, we, we think oftentimes when we, when we say your will, we still want to edge a little bit of our control even into that. But that's not what Jesus does in this moment. We think God's will will be, will be happy, trouble-free, and comfortable oftentimes when we say your will be done. And we think life will get easier But in this story, when Jesus surrenders, he makes sacrifice. What are those things in your life that you're trying to control? Is it a relationship with a spouse? Is it that child in your life that's just continuing to give you headaches? Maybe it's your health. Are you trying to control the future and you live in fear? Are you facing anxiety, questions about the future? I think there's three, three questions that we should consider when we feel tempted to control. Uh, the first question, you can put them up, because I want to read them together is should I worry about it? Should I even worry about it? Like, does this thing even matter? Um, When Eric and I first got married, we lived in a house that was like wall-to-wall carpet. It was the the only time we've ever had a two-story house also. It was like the biggest house we've ever lived in now, looking back, which is crazy. Um, And it was our first house we lived in. And it was wall-to-wall carpet everywhere. The stairs were even carpeted. So like our Saturday routine was to vacuum. And if you know anything about me, like, I love the very straight lines of, like, the vacuum. You know what I'm talking about with the wheels, like, and, it, like, the brushes, and it makes these amazing, like, patterns, and it's, sh- like, I want it straight across. 
Uh, yeah, I want some stripes. Like, if this was like a f the field, like the baseball fields where like they have those cool patterns, like that's what I want my carpet to look like after you vacuum it. Erica takes a more artistic approach, and it's just like going across, getting it done, right? And I, I have to say, because we don't have any more carpet, I guess I've, I've let go of control over that. But does that really matter, right? Like, does it matter if there was lines or if it was beautiful art on the floor? <laughs> the floor was clean, right? That was the goal here. It wasn't about control. Does this even matter? The second question I think when we consider what we're trying to control is, can I even do anything about it? Like, there are some things in our life that, that are, are stressing us out and we're trying to control that we can do stuff about. Like, if you're, if you're stressed out about your finances and it comes down to that your expenses are higher than your income, there's some things you can, steps you can take to get that under control. You can reduce your expenses. You can get a second job to help increase the income. There's some things we can take when we're trying to control something that you might actually be able to take a step. And the third question I think is the most important when we're tempted to control something. When we ask this question, is it God's responsibility? Is it something that only God alone can do is this something only God alone can change? Because yes, my, my spouse's vacuuming pattern might really drive me nuts, but only God can change her heart and see the other side of beautiful lines. Like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to convince her of that. I can't heal my body. I can't control my kids. Oh gosh, I've learned that the hard way. I can't control the future. There are some things that are just totally God's responsibility, God's alone, that I have no control over. And so I think we begin to have a framework. When we ask these three questions, Scripture gives us a guiding principle to understand control. Uh, and it's from Proverbs chapter 3. It's, it's one of those verses that that folks will put on, on walls, on a sign in your house. Um, and they do it because it's such a good verse. It's such a good guiding principle in our life. From Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. with all your heart, not just part of your heart, with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways, not just some of your ways, like, I, like going back to the, I'll, I'll give you this much, God, but I still want to control that part, in all your ways, submit to him. And the word here, submit, can be translated to, to know. In all your ways, know him. Know him. And when you know him, he will make your paths straight. When you know him, he will make your paths straight. And so the story from Matthew that we started with in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the place of the crushing amongst the olives, 
Jesus is spending time there with his disciples right after he shared the Last Supper with them. And he told them the path that was before them. And they're in the garden there. Jesus is praying. And it's there that they come for him. They come to arrest him. The guards come up. And what does Peter do? He tries to control the situation. And he slices the ear off the guard. And Jesus goes, Peter, have you not been listening? Have you not been paying attention? You don't need to control this. I'm surrendering to God's will. And Jesus, after he gets over being frustrated at Peter, he goes, has anyone seen the ear? Like, is it over there in the bushes? And he gets the ear. And he puts it back on the soldiers. And he says, you're healed in my name. And he surrenders to them. And he goes with them. He's arrested. He's charged. He's mocked. He's whipped 39 times to the point that his flesh is totally exposed. He's taken to the cross. And nails are driven through his wrists and through his ankles. And on the cross, he says, Father, for they know not what they do. Even in the moment of his agony, he continues to surrender to God's will in that moment. He continues to surrender. And finally, he says, it's finished. And in that moment, the world shook and it went dark. And Jesus chose to surrender. Because you always have the power to surrender to God's will. And in Matthew 10, surrendering is not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. Matthew 10 tells us, if you want to lose your life, if you, want to, if you want to lose your life, cling to it. If you want to gain your life, to lose it. It's an everyday decision to surrender. To follow Jesus is to surrender to control. So if you have the connection card, you might have noticed there was like a yellow sticky note on it today. If you want to pull that off. You don't have to put your name on this, but I invite you right now, write what it is that you need to surrender. What are you trying to control in your life that you need to surrender? And when you come to take communion today, I invite you, I'll have the blue basket up here, to drop it in there. Drop in whatever it is that you are trying to surrender. And again, you don't have to put your name or anything on it. I mean, if you want to, put your name on it. Um, And then when we leave today, 
I'll have them in the back, and I invite you to take someone else's and pray for them this week. Pray for them that they will have the ability to surrender. They will have the faith, the trust, to surrender to what God is doing in their life. And I want to share what I wrote on mine ahead of time. And I wrote Horizon. Horizon's been the thing that I've been trying to control. Uh, It's been a a difficult journey over the last year um, about where we'll meet and what's happening. And ultimately, what about each of you? I, I deeply care about everyone in this room, everyone that is a, considers this their, their church home. And at most, I might get four hours a month with each of you. And I, I deeply want you to grow, deeply want you to know Jesus more fully. I, I know about so many of the things going on in your lives, for the relationships, the jobs, the family situations, the anxieties, the stresses. And I cared so deeply about it, and it's been a struggle for Eric and I at times. And so it's been something that we've continued to learn to surrender to God, that we will hold you in prayer. But it's ultimately Jesus who's working in your life. And surrendering, again, will not mean that your life is is happy and blessed. Surrendering means that you're trusting God with your fears, with that depression, with your marriage, with your child, with your anxiety. Because you don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. And so the God that cares for you asks today to cast your cares on him because he does love each one of you. And so let us pray. God of grace and peace, God, we pray the prayer today that Jesus prayed. Not your will be done, not our will be done, but yours, God. There are so many things in our life that we try to control. God, we are scared to give it up. We're scared to give up our control of others, the way others might think of us, We're scared to give up the control of what our future might look like. But God, we turn it to you right now. God, help us in this moment. Help us to give up and trust in you for our lives to be transformed in a way that we've never imagined. 